0: All right, Psalms chapter 12, look at verse 6 and 7. Here's a promise God has to you. The words of the Lord are pure words. As silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Amen. Amen. Thou shalt keep them, the words of God, the words of the Lord. Not word. Notice back in verse six. It doesn't say word, capital W. It says plural words. Somewhere, somewhere, someplace, there are the words plural of the Lord. And they, they it said the Lord the Bible says thou shalt keep them. Thou shalt preserve them. They're preserved somewhere, guys. From this generation, that generation, that this the, the David's writing here, forever. That includes our generation. Guys, I'm trying to show you this morning, the Bible promises that the words of the Lord are somewhere for you to read. Amen. Jesus Christ said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Amen. Now, the, Lord, the words of Jesus Christ and the words of the Lord, the Lord's promised to keep them, and he's promised to preserve them, and this morning we're going to find out where they're at and where they're preserved at. Okay, that's what we're going to look at this morning. Now, I'm titling this sermon. What I'm going to preach on this morning is A Simple Man's Guide to Picking the Right Version of the Bible. And I need to do a little test this morning as we're getting started. And I'm going to call Brother Wade up here. I picked Wade because he's the young and handsome and intelligent. Who wants to challenge Brother Wade to a Bible challenge? Anybody want to p- take a Bible and come up here and challenge him? All right, Brother Alvin. Come on up here, Brother Alvin. He's, I saw him go like this. <laughs> you, I, I, nobody else volunteer. We'll get Brother Alvin up here. Okay. Now, Brother Alvin, did you ever graduate high school? Okay, you did graduate high school. Okay. Do you ever go to college? No. no, I never did either, brother. I mean, just a little bit of Pensacola. So, Brother Wade, you graduated high school. Brother Wade, you, gradu- you go to college? Very You're a college cool. graduate? Mm. Yes, sir, I was at your graduation, as a matter of fact. <laughs> that, made me go. that made him go. <laughs> but not only is he a higher-paying graduate, he got a computer uh, science degree, right, brother? Mm, CIS, it's close. Close, okay. So I don't even know what he got, but I know it's to do with computers and it's intelligence. He's also the head guy at Zephyr ISD for all their computers for the whole computer, the whole school district. So this guy's not dumb, right? And not Brother Alvin's not dumb either. But he's Brother Alvin's a lot closer to like me. We just barely got through it. I got my GED. That's about all we got. Okay. Now the challenge is open your Bible up, Brother Alvin. And the first, I want to see who's the first one to get to Acts chapter eight. Y'all can turn to the same chapter. Turn to Acts chapter 8, verse 37. Brother Alvin's going to have to try to get his glasses on first, but we're going to see who can get to Acts chapter 8, verse 37 first. And raise your hand, brother, when you find it. We're looking for Acts chapter 8, verse 37. I'm doing a trick on Brother Wade here, because it's not very fair. Acts chapter 8, verse 37. All right, so here's the problem. Brother Alvin's found it. It took him a while to find it, amen. Which of mine took a lot of y'all to find it? Brother Wade's still looking. And the reason why Brother Wade's still looking is because I did something mean to Brother Wade, and I handed him an NIV. And a lot of y'all are going, Oh, my gosh, there's an NIV in the church. Well, the reason why I handed him an NIV is to show that that verse 37, you see that verse 37 in your Bible? It's not in a, in an NIV. It goes thirty six and then goes to verse thirty eight. There's no verse thirty seven. Now, Brother Wade's an intelligent man, and he knows he he knows enough to read the little. There's a little little letter there, probably like a letter B or something. And you could go to the bottom of that page in the NIV, and it'll have that verse written real small, tiny writing, and saying some manuscripts. What's it say, brother? Yeah, some late manuscripts, and then it has that verse 37. Y'all go ahead and sit down, guys. Thank y'all. But do you see how, here's a guy that's highly intelligent. He's he's looking in his Bible, and that verse is gone. So you see now we're seeing that there's a problem with some bi- different Bible versions? And what I'm showing you this, this morning, as we start in Acts chapter 8, verse 37 is that when I first started getting called to preach, I didn't get called to preach, I got called to teach Sunday school. And the truth is, when they called me to teach Sunday school, the reason they called me is because nobody else would do it. Nobody else wanted to do it, to teach the men's class. I was stuck doing it, and I didn't want to do it. But I had a desire for the Word of God. I was coming to Brotherhood and coming to Sunday school class, and I really wanted to learn the Bible, like a lot of y'all. Y'all make the effort to get up here on Sunday school. Y'all want to learn, y'all want to learn. I wanted to learn what God had for me. And I just would show up, and they knew, here's a guy who's young, who's willing to study, that shows up, we'll make him a Sunday school teacher. Now, I wasn't qualified for anything to be a Sunday school teacher. And I was scared out of my mind. As a matter of fact, I went home, and I shed a couple of tears in fear, because I was deathly afraid. When, when uh, I would go to class at school, I would, I would actually play hooky on the days we had to do book reports, because I did not want to stand in front of people and talk. So that the Lord has me doing this, it shows you the kind of sense of humor the Lord has to put me through the torture of standing in front of people and talking, because I'm not very comfortable doing it, honestly. But I started looking at the Bibles, and look at Acts chapter 8, verse 37. This verse is completely removed out of an NIV. It says there, verse 36, the end of verse 36. Look at verse 36. And as they went on their way, they came into a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? So if you're reading a NIV, it goes straight, skip down to verse 38. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water. That's how an NIV reads. Your Bible has the complete reading, and your Bible says verse 37. And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So we know that that's what you to be baptized, you've got to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You've got to receive Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, right? That's what that verse shows you. Well, somebody doesn't believe that you should have to receive Jesus. Somebody believes you can be baptized if you're a little baby or whatever, whenever you want to be baptized. But that verse right there shows you. So somebody's been meddling with the Word of God. And when I got called to teach Sunday school, I did what a lot of people do, excuse me, what a lot of people do, and I simply just said, I'm in trouble. I've got to find the easiest thing to read, so I got me an NIV, and I said, I, I'm going to start teaching the Bible. Well, i got to find the easiest Bible to read, the easiest one to understand, so I got me an NIV Bible. I didn't know one thing about Bible versions or anything. I just have always heard the NIV is easier to read, so that's the version I'm going to use to teach, because I want to make this as easy as I can on and Hall, you know, because I didn't know, know Diddley squat. Well, while I was at work, I was reading through my Bible at work. I, ha- I worked at a job as a pressman where I had long periods of time where I could read. And as I was reading, and I was reading this NIV, I got to the book of Acts. And I'm reading the book of Acts, and I'm enjoying it, and I'm reading through there. And I start seeing some problems in the book of Acts. I start seeing some problems. And one of, as I was reading my NIV, and, and, one, and like this problem here where things are, something's missing, something doesn't add up. And I went back to my pastor, which at that time was uh, Brother Reuben Packer. And when I asked Brother Packer, I said, hey, I'm reading through this NIV, and uh, I'm seeing some problems. It was making me start to doubt the Word of God. And I said, uh, uh, there's something going on here. I don't, uh, something's not making up. Something's not making sense to me. And I, now that I look back, I knew the Holy Spirit was leading me this way. And Brother Packer told me straight out, he said, well, you better investigate. So that's what I did. I started investigating to see what Bible should I use? Which translation should I pick? What's the difference? What so let me give you an idea of what would happen to you today if you, said, if you didn't know anything about a Bible and you just got saved and you said, I want a Bible translation. What would you do today? Well, I found these articles. Over the years, I've collected this stuff. This is Abilene Reporter News. In a couple of years, this is actually maybe about eight years ago they printed in, the, in their live section, the religious section, they printed a article that said with so many versions picking the right Bible can be tricky and in this article they say uh, picking the, you may you have to determine what will best meet your needs before you get into translations and other things and then this is what this person says at this Bible bookstore translation is where the waters get muddy (laughs) that's where the waters get muddy, so this whole article is telling you basically when you get to picking your translation you want, that's the hard part, that's when it gets really muddy So here, if you go to, when I went to a Lifeway Christian bookstore, I found this and it says picking your Bible is as easy as one, two, three. So the first step is you got to pick what kind of Bible do you want? You want to, it tells you, do you want to, what kind of features do you want? you want a study Bible? Do you want something that's not a study Bible? That kind of stuff like that. And then the second choice you have is to pick your translation, and then the third choice is you pick a, what, uh, what kind of quality, a binding. Do you want a cheap Bible, an expensive Bible? So number two is what we're talking about this morning. because That's where it all gets muddy, right, the translation. So the second part is they say choose your translation. Make your Bible reading more meaningful by picking the translation that's right for you. All right, that's what I'm interested in this morning. I want the translation that's right for me, but I'm seeing some problems with the NIV. And it has here a list on these pages, our best-selling Bibles. And under their best-selling Bibles, they have the NIV, the Holman uh, Christian Standard Bible. They have the King James Bible, New King James, NASB. They say these are the best-selling Bibles. And then they give you a little chart here. And they give you, under each Bible, they give you the, what, the, what's wrong, the differences, what, what, how to choose which Bible you should pick. And it says the readability for the Holman is very easy to read. The reading level is 7th grade. It says that it's uh, literal word for word. It says uh, a highly accurate, easy to understand translation is used for serious, serious Bible study. And I'm like, man, that's the one for me right there. That's me. I want one that's easy to understand. It's for serious Bible study. That's the, one, that's the one I want. And then over here it says you need to turn to page 10 to find out more about this Bible. Well, then under the King James Bible, it says well, the readability is 17th century English. That makes this not as easy to read as contemporary translations. So they really knock it. It says it's on a 12th grade reading level. It's the, hard, it's the hardest reading level of all these Bibles here to read. And it says about the translation, it says it's a word for word translation from the best manuscripts that they had available at that time. So I'm reading this and I say, wow, well, it's the best available at that time. Well, I don't want something that was available at 1600. I want the best of the best. I want a Hallman. So that's the one it says to get right there. So I turned to page 10, and I turned to page 10 at the back of this, of this easy to pick. And this is the Lifeway Christian Bookstore, the Hallman Christian Standard Bible. Nothing could be closer to the truth. Well, that's what I want. I want a Bible that's as close to the truth as you can get it. It said 100 scholars collaborating online. Uh-oh. They were collaborating online. If you know anything about Brother Keegan, I don't like anything that's done online. <laughs> Something that's done through Facebook, you can throw that in the dirt for me, in the trash. It's got the latest breakthrough in Bible scholarship. Wow, that's, that's what I want. Then at the bottom it says here, it's the most faithful translation of all. Well, golly gee whiz, that's the one I want then. Well, let me stop and tell you something before you run out and get a Holloman Christian Standard Bible. Lifeway Christian Stores is owned by the Southern Baptist Convention. The Southern Baptist Convention has the copyright to which Bible version? It's not the King James. It's not the NIV. It is the, you guessed it, the Holloman Christian Standard Bible. So isn't it kind of dink that they say the best one you could ever buy is the one that they make money off of? You, Every one you buy. So uh, I think I'll just throw that away because I don't trust that one. Here's another one I found. Bible Comparison Guide, this was published by Zondervan, and I'm excited because it's got a comparison of all the Bible translations, all down here at the very top of the list is NIV, the next one's a King James, New King James, New Living, NASB, it's all listed down here, and it's got all these little charts here, you can compare the different Bible versions, and it gives you the reading grade level, and it says the King James is at the 12th grade reading level. But it says the NIV is at a 7th grade reading level. And it says it's a, it's a highly accurate and smooth reading version in modern English. And then when it goes over to the, the different things, the distinctives, what makes each Bible distinctive from another, it talks about the King James Bible. It says it's a purpose was in translation, was to deliver God's book and God's people in a tongue which they can understand. And it says it was published in 1611. Okay, we know that. Well, then it says about the NIV at the very top of the list, and that's the very top one is the NIV. It says about the NIV, it says it's the best-selling translation, widely accepted by evangelical Christians. Purpose in translation was to produce an accurate translation and for suitable for public and private reading, teaching, preaching, memorizing, and all kinds of other uses. And then it says it was published in 78. It says it's the most read, period, the most trusted, Period. That's the one I want. I don't want that Holloman. Now I know that this is what I want. I want an NIV. Because this chart tells me it's the most trusted. It's the most read. It's the best selling translation. All these are periods after that, okay? Well, I got some news for you. It's kind of a dink that this chart tells you that NIV is the one you should buy. And it's published by Zondervan. Guess who owns the copyright to the NIV? Zondervan. Guess who makes money when you buy a NIV Bible? Well, it's the one who published this article right here, the Zondervan Company. So you know what i got to say about that? Throw it away. It's not worth the money it's printed on. The paper's printed on. So now you've got people telling you, I've told you two or three different people showing you the Bible you should buy, but they're making money off the Bible they're telling you to buy. What does a man like me to do, a simple man? That doesn't have, that's not college educated, but wants the words of God. Because I know God promised them to me. Amen, we read that. Jesus said that my words shall not pass away. So somewhere, somehow, God's got his words. And he's got them in a Bible somewhere. So now we've got to figure out, how do you figure out which Bible to pick? Well, I'm already showing you through this test we, we had that the NIV is not to be trusted. There's something going on there. Without, and I'm not going to give you any manuscript evidence this morning, okay? Because I don't, want to cl- I don't want to muddy the waters. I don't want to confuse you. I just want to show you just a man walks into a store and he has all these Bibles. Which one do you pick? Which translation do you pick? And I'm showing you if you pick up an NIV, it's not matching up with the King James Version. It's taking verses out. So which translation do you pick? Well, let me start out by saying this. Here's the great truth. And this is a truth that anybody, anywhere can agree to that this is a truth. What is different, what is different is not the same. When something's different, it's not the same. If something's different than, something from, than this other one, then it's not the same. So all these translations are not the same, amen? We can agree on that. They even said it in their own brochures. This one's better than the other one. This one's different than the other one. They're not. So if anything's different, it's not the same. So I started seeing and studying about the difference and that's because before I had any of the knowledge of the manuscript evidence, I started studying the differences. And I started finding out the NIV is removing 64,576 words. That's a lot of words. And I started finding out as I studied out that there's copyrights in all these other Bibles and there's not a copyright on a King James Bible. Turn to... John chapter 3. Turn to John chapter 3. So in this study, in my, in my studying of this stuff, I started finding out that there's these different versions of the Bible they are changing things up. They're mo- removing words. And it started confusing me. and I started getting scared. I started wondering, why are they removing words? Why are they changing things? Well, it took me years later to figure that out. But during this, we're not going to get into that. We're just figuring out this is a simple man's guide to the right Bible version. One thing that caught my attention about the NIV is in First Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. It said that my Bible says that God was manifest in the flesh. And if you know that verse, you know that it says God was manifest in the flesh. Well, I started noticing all these other versions that instead of God, they put He. He was manifest in the flesh. And that's a direct attack on the deity of Jesus Christ. If you want to know if Jesus Christ is the Son of God, there's plenty of verses to prove that to you. But the one you can turn to, anybody in 1 Timothy 3.16, it says that God was manifest in the flesh. But when you turn to the NIV, you turn to these other versions, it's going to say He was manifest. It's going to take away that deity. Well, everybody knows that Jesus was manifest in the flesh. I'm manifest in the flesh. Amen? But what makes Him special that He was manifest in the flesh is that it's God manifest in the flesh. That's God walking around in flesh. So when I started figuring this stuff out and I started realizing things were being changed, I said, you know what? There's too many problems with the NIV. I'm seeing too many problems. I don't know the manuscript evidence. I'm just seeing all these verses removed, all these things changed. I said, I'm going to get me a new King James translation. A new King James translation. Because I'm starting to lean towards that the King James Bible is got it where it's at. And it's got the verses that are, that are missing out of the NIV and these other Bible versions. So I'm going to go to a new King James. Because if I go to a new King James, it's just like a King James. It just takes out all those ye's and those thou's. You know that stuff that people don't like to read? That's what I'm figuring out. I'm thinking, that's what I want to. So I went down to a store, and I bought me a, a New King James Bible. It was a big old giant print, New King James Bible. It was nice. I took it home. I was liking it. I thought, this is it. I've got me a Bible. It's not removing these verses. It's not changing this stuff up. Well, then I started finding out there's problems with that. And I thought it was a simple, well, you know, it just takes away those yees and those thou's. Guys, I'm here to tell you this morning, you need those yees and you need those thou's. Amen. You might not know it, you might not understand why, but I'm about to show you. Look at John chapter 3, look at verse 7. John chapter 3, verse 7. Jesus Christ says, Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Now that's a, that's a pretty famous verse. And uh, people, a, lot, a lot of people like to say it, you must be born again, you must be born again. And that, that, I'm not saying that when somebody says you must be born again that they're completely corrupt. But they don't understand the reason why you want a highly accurate, translated, what like the King James did, ye must be born again. What you've got to understand is that ye is a plural you. You, is a, you can be singular or plural. When you say you, it can be singular. You don't know. Unless you know the context, you're not going to know. And in this context, you don't know if he said you must be born again, which the NIV and all these other versions, they put you in there and the New King James. They say you must be born again. They say this, marvel not that I said unto you, you must be born again. When When you read it like that, you know what that means? Hey, Nicodemus, I told you, you, Nicodemus, must be born again. That's what that means. When you say you and you put you must be born again. But with the plural ye, that means everybody. Do You understand what I'm saying? The ye represents everybody. The ye is a plural you. So what you're you're saying there is, look, marvel not that I said unto thee, that thee is a singular you. That's a singular way of saying you. Thee, you. Marvel not that I said unto thee, that's you, singular. Nicodemus, ye, plural, everybody must be born again. That, is, that right there is doctrine that everybody in this room understands. And a lot of Christians understand it, but they don't realize they've got a Bible on their lap that's saying you and not ye. And if you're a serious Bible student, which this, these pamphlets say that people want to be serious Bible students, you understand that's pretty important because if I wanted to do away like a Jehovah's Witness, like a Jehovah's Witness does, and I want to do away with Being born again, which the Jehovah's Witness says you don't have to be born again. They'll say, hey, he's not not saying everybody must be born again. He was talking to Nicodemus. Because see, it says you must be born again. But see, that's not what my Bible says. My Bible's not like a New World Translation or NIV. My King James Bible says ye, plural, everyone must be born again. See how important it is to get that? All right, so you got that now. So I saw a big problem with the NIV, and I saw these problems with the. Started seeing some problems even with my New King James Bible when I started studying it up, and I thought, you know what, what's going on here? Look, look at, look at Matthew chapter seven. Look at Matthew chapter seven. Let me me show this to you. Matthew chapter seven. So I didn't know any manuscript evidence. I didn't know the difference between the Greek manuscript evidence. What, why they were translating things different? I didn't. I didn't know. Have a clue. But I knew enough about the Bibles that something that's different is not the same. Something that's different is not the same. Matthew chapter 7, look at verse 14. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is speaking here and he says this, Because straight is the gate, narrow is the way, which leadeth unto the life, and few, be there, few there be that find it. Jesus Christ says narrow is the way. If you pick up a new King James Bible, which is one I had when I first started trying to teach Sunday school. After I saw the problems of the NIV, I picked up a new King James Bible. My new King James Bible said, difficult is the way. Now guys, there's a difference between the word difficult and narrow. And that bothered me to no end. It bothered me bad. Because when I saw that it said difficult is the way, I thought It's not difficult to come to Jesus Christ. It's a narrow way. Why is it a narrow way? Because Jesus Christ said, I'm the only way. There's only one way to God. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. It's just through Jesus Christ that makes it a narrow way. So the way to eternal life is a narrow way. You can't go through Buddha or Muhammad or some other way. It's only through Jesus Christ that makes it narrow. But to say that it's difficult... That makes it sound like you have to climb, and you have to work, and you have to do all these works. It's not a difficult way. It's just a narrow way. You can get in the door, but it's just a narrow door. It's not a wide door. You can't go in as a Buddhist or a or, or any other religion. It's only through the, the way of Jesus Christ. It's a narrow door, but it's not a difficult door. An eight year old can go in this way, and an 80 year old can go in this way. A crippled man can go in this way, a blind woman can go in this way. It doesn't matter if you're not highly educated or if you're mentally challenged, you can go in this way. It's not difficult, it's just narrow. It's just that way of Jesus. So, when a new King James Bible changes that narrow to difficult, that makes it a different Bible. It's not the same. Let me show you something else that bothered me about my New King James Bible. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And this is just a taste of it, guys. Because see, I was convinced, well, it's just, uh, New King James is just changing the ye's and the thou's and the thine's to use. Makes it easier. No, there's a lot more to it than that. If it was simply that, we wouldn't probably be here this morning talking about this stuff. There's more to it. They changed a lot more to it. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. Here it is, Paul's speaking here, and he says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Amen. So let me ask you a question. According to that verse, are you saved? Amen. Amen. You're saved, right? And that's the power of God that you're saved. A New King James Bible reads like this, But unto us which are saved, being saved. Being saved. They add the word being. B-E-I-N-G. When you say something's being saved, what does that mean? That means it's in a process of, being, of something happening, right? Being saved means there's a process going on there. So when the Bible, when, when that King James, New King James Bible puts... But unto us which are being saved, it totally changes the verse. I'm not being saved. I'm saved. <laughs> and, when you, and when you start adding beings in there, that changes the whole meaning of the verse. Nobody, you're either saved or not saved. You're not saved and being saved and in the process of being saved. I'm telling you right now, in this room, you're either going to heaven or you're going to hell. Right now, you're Heather. On the way to heaven or way to hell. There's no, oh, I might be on the way to heaven. No. If if you might be, then you're going to hell. You're either saved or not saved. There's no such thing as being saved. And they put that word being in there. They did it again in 2 Corinthians 2.15. Y'all don't turn there, but they did it again in that verse, 2 Corinthians 2.15. There's a lot more problems with that New King James, but that was enough for me to go click and close that thing up and throw it. So I started realizing, you know what? I think I'm going to call this the Word of God. Now, I didn't know manuscript evidence. I didn't know the difference between why they were translated. I just said, I'm going to call this the Word of God. Because I took the different versions and compared them and saw all these problems. I didn't know why the NIV was taking verses out. I didn't know why the New King James Bible was adding this and taking this and changing this up. I just knew it was changed. Now, over the years, I started, I did study it out, and now I do know the evidence, and I'm not going to bore you with all the evidence. That's not why I'm preaching this this morning, but I can tell you some simple facts that you don't have, that doesn't have anything to do with manuscript evidence necessarily, but that will help you out to understand maybe why some of this is going on. Here's a great truth: the NIV is copyrighted, and I told you it's copyrighted by Zondervan. Holloman Christian Standard Bible is copyrighted. And I told you it's copyrighted by Southern Baptist Convention. Basically, the people that own the LifeWay stores. That's why they push it. That's why Zonervan pushes theirs. For them to copyright an NIV, and this is an NIV Bible right here, this has got to be at least 25% different than this. So to make this 25% different than this, what do they got to do? They got to change some things. They got to take some things out. They got to change some words. It can't because if it's not, if this is not twenty five percent different than the King James Bible, they're not allowed to copyright it. So that's why you have all these different versions, and they have all these different, and you'll see some weird things going on in the Bible versions. If you get the Bible version, the Message, it talks about the God of Green Hope. The God of Green Hope. Look it up. It talks about the God of green hope in the message. The translation Bible called the message, it talks about the God of green hope. Weird stuff going on there. There's not a Greek manuscript anywhere that says green in there, but they put green hope in there. Weird stuff, man. I mean, that's why you got it, because they got to be different. So when this one comes along, which this one was published way later, the Hallman, I mean the Hallman Christian Standard Bible, it's got to be 25% different than this one the NIV, and the King James Bible, and in the NIV. So they've got to really change some things up. So you, that's why you're getting all these Bible versions, and they're getting into weird translations, weird words. They say weird things. They It's it's weird the way they translate that stuff out. That's what's going on. That's why when you pick up like a daily planner, guys, like a daily Bible planner, a daily devotional, anything like that, or any kind of Christian book that's being published that they, they, they has a lot of Bible verses, you'll look through that book and they'll have like an NASB, NIV. They'll, they have all these different versions and they're using all these different versions all through there. Sometimes there'll be up to 15, 16 different Bible versions. And you're thinking, why didn't they just pick one Bible version? Because if you use so, many, so much a percentage of this Bible version, you've got to pay royalties to Holloman Christian Standard Bible. If you use... So many Bible verses out of the NIV in your publication in your book, you got to pay them royalties because they own a copyright. You get what I'm saying? It's about money. So what they do is, is they they put they sprinkle they sprinkle just enough of NIV, sprinkle just enough of Holman, just enough of NASB, just enough, and a lot of times they'll finish it off with the King James because they don't have to worry about royalties there, and then they can publish the book and not have to pay royalties to any of these copyrighted Bibles. That's what's going on. That's the second fact you need to understand. That's why all that's going on. Third fact is this. I had a friend, that, a missionary friend that had a friend that tried to publish a book through Zondervan. It was a Christian book. And he told the publisher, Zondervan, I'm going to, I want to use King James, only King James. I'm a King James believer. I only want to use King James. Zondervan said, no, if we're publishing it, we're going to use only NIV. And the guy got mad at him and said, I only want to use King James. And Zondervan said, you're only going to use, we're only going to publish NIV. So he didn't publish his book. He went somewhere else and published his book. What's going on there? Well, Zondervan owns the NIV copyright. They want to push the NIV. So if you're going to publish anything under their publishing house, they want it to be all NIV. Why? So people are keep buying the NIV. <laughs> they don't want to use a King James because they don't make no money off of King James. To, we're going to close. I'm going to turn to uh, 2 Timothy. Turn to 2 Timothy. I'll show you something in closing. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. I'm going to show you something in closing. And I'm, just, I'm going to show you this stuff out of the Bible so you can understand it. this stuff is Bible stuff I'm talking about. The Word of God. This book here is called The Language of the Bible. It says, The research presented in this introduction to the language of the Bible is prompted by a story of one Christian prisoner's phenomenal leap in reading test scores. As a result of reading the King James Bible, he was advised that he was reading at the 5th grade level when he put his name on the long waiting list to enroll in the prison's GED program. He then began reading the King James Bible daily. The reexamination the next year showed that he, now, he was now reading at the 17th grade level, postgraduate. How did reading one book, which so, some falsely claim is difficult, manage to help him rather than frustrate him? This book answers the question, and then she goes on to give you all the evidence of why the King James Bible is easier to read and is better for you to read. It helps your reading ability. Y'all personally in this church have seen Brother Alvin grow in his reading of the King James Bible. Y'all seen how he got up here and he could read one or two verses, and he would stutter through that. And as the months and months have gone on, I've seen Brother Alvin, I've tried to tell him, man, I've seen you grow, brother, you're getting better and better. He's getting better at it, and that's his testimony. He's getting a lot better at it. As a matter of fact, he had such a lot, he had one he was going to read so long. I said, brother, we better cut that down, <laughs> you know. He's getting more confident. And it all comes from reading the King James Bible. So when people try to tell you that the King James Bible is harder to read, it's not harder, it's just a little different. It is different. I'm not I'll give you that, it is different, but it isn't harder. But once you understand the difference, that's the one you should be reading. It actually is on a fourth grade reading level, a King James Bible, according to the Kincaid reading. 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Paul, and he says here in verse 15, And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which were able to make thee wise in a salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scriptures, it's given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction, and righteousness. Now, some scholars are going to come and tell you, well... You're crazy, Brother Keegan, because you think this Bible has inspired, and this Bible is God's holy word, and that it's God's scripture, but only the originals can be inspired. That's what they'll tell you. Some scholars will say, not all, but some scholars say, only the originals can be inspired. This translation can't be inspired. It's copied. There's no way God would inspire a copy or a translation. Have you ever heard that before? I've heard it a lot. I know Wade probably has heard that. Well, let me tell you something. Read this verse with me again. You're reading the verse, right? First off, Paul says, And then from a child, Timothy, thou hast known the holy scriptures. He's calling scriptures. He's saying that Timothy has the scriptures, and he's saying that they're holy. All right? Does Timothy have the originals? No! You think Timothy has the original writing that Moses had of Genesis? And that David has a psalm? Timothy's the only one that has the originals? And he's the one that's reading it, and that's what No! Timothy obviously and nobody would argue with me here, Timothy obviously has a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy of the book of Psalms, the book of Genesis, Deuteronomy, whatever Isaiah. And Paul is telling Timothy, what you got there, those copies of a copy of a copy, like we have right here, he said, That's holy and that's scripture. You see where I'm going with this? Which is able to make thee wise in salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. He says that that scripture you got there Timothy is not only holy, it's not only scripture, but it's inspired. Well, it's a copy of a copy. No copy can be inspired. Guys, I'm telling you right here, this translation of the King James Bible, it's inspired. What now, so what I'm trying to tell you, when you go to a, a store and you're looking, okay, what Bible version do I use? What Bible version do I pick? Well, I've shown you that there's all kinds of problems. I'm telling you this morning, my experience is this. If you want to get the preserved, and God said he'd preserve them, you want to get the preserved Word of God inspired, you're going to pick up a King James Bible. Amen. Now, I didn't go into any kind of translation, uh, manuscript evidence, and there's tons and tons of manuscript evidence to support the King James Bible. Tons of it. And some people come to me and say, well, I've got a pastor that uses a different version, and why do they use a different... Why don't they know this evidence? Why don't All I can tell you, that's between them and the Lord. I'm telling you what I'm doing between me and the Lord. But I can tell you this, when I've talked to different preachers that I know use a different version, I figured out real quick, it's a simple truth. It's an inconvenient truth. In other words, it's really inconvenient for them to stand up and say... I believe the King James Bible is God's Word. And then you got all these people in their church, this big old church that says, you know what? Uh, I, I want to keep using my NIV. I want to keep using my New King James. And that, that pastor will get run off because he doesn't want to use anything but a King James Bible. I've had a lady come into this church that was using the NIV, and I don't ever hit y'all about what y'all use. Y'all can open up whatever Bible you want to use. And she comes to me, and I didn't say one word to her about anything. She comes to me, and she goes, I use the NIV, and that's what I want to use. And I was given this when I was going through this rehab, and this is what I want to use, and I'm, I, I'm going to keep using it. I said, fine, sister, whatever you want to do, that's between you and the Lord, amen? amen. You're going to answer to the Lord. I'm going to answer to the Lord. Well, then a couple of months go by and she comes up to me and I not brought it up again. Until she comes to me and she goes, I need to tell you something. I said, what's that? She goes, well, God's been speaking to my heart. and I've changed. I'm going to King James Bible. I know it's God's word. I've been looking into it. I've been looking into it. now I know that, I got, that the King James Bible is the word of God. And she ordered her a King James Bible. And man, she's on fire for the Lord as far as studying the word of God. My testimony is this in closing. When I decided... That this, without knowing much more evidence than what I gave you this morning, when I just said, hey, there's differences, this one's the right one, I'm going with the King James Bible, my knowledge of the Word of God exploded. And I've never looked back, and I've never doubted it, and I went went up to Pensacola to go to Bible Institute. I found a lot of the truth about manuscript evidence through other people too, and through studying other books. I'm completely, totally convinced that this is the Word of God. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind. You can't beat it out of me. This is is the Word of God. God give us, for the English-speaking people, the King James Bible, authorized 1611, is God's preserved Word and inspired, given to us for us to read. I believe that with all my heart. I'm going to read you one more verse in closing. This is Revelation 22, 18. For I testify unto every every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in the book. That is a dire, dire warning about not touching God's words. So guys, I believe every word in here and I don't take out a word of it. And I, I, I actually am afraid for some of the people who translate translated some of these Bible versions, when they've touched God's Word and changed it up the way they've changed it up, I think there's a payday someday. Amen. And you might la- laugh at me and make fun of me and say, well, you're just some old country bumpkin that believes the King James Bible. I didn't believe the King James Bible. I told you I was an NIV guy. And then I was a new King James. I didn't, I didn't think I wasn't going to read the King James. This is well, where God led me, I believe. But I know one thing. there's going to be a day I'm going to stand before Jesus Christ. And i want to, to answer to him how I taught, how I preached, and what I believed. And all I can tell him is, Lord, I took this as your word, and I didn't change it, and I believed every bit of it. Now, Lord, if you want to spank me for something I did, maybe I shouldn't have believed this, maybe I sh- but you promised me you would give me your words, and I believed I had them in this book. And that's the book. And I studied it out, Lord. Study the show that I self-approved, a workman that needeth not be ashamed. I studied as best I could and found out this was God's word and I stuck with it. Now, if the Lord wants to spake me or correct me, then I can answer to him. But until that day comes, Brother Keegan Hall will stand with the King James Bible in his hand and I will defend this book to my death. Hello, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church. Are you sick and tired of this world? Are you sick and tired of this life that you're living? Did you know that God has a free gift for you? It's the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Have you ever received this gift? You know a gift can be offered but not received. You can bow your head and ask Jesus right now to save you and give you his free gift of eternal life. Now you might ask, how do I know he'll give me this free gift? Because I did the same thing because I bowed my head knowing I'm a sinner and asked him to save me and he did. And I've never been the same. And this life with Jesus is a thousand times better than anything this world can offer me. Now we would love to hear from you if you want to contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. Until next time. Casting all your care upon him.